0: Seeking for the help of the Lord, I direct your prayer for attention to Paul's second epistle to the Thessalonians, chapter three and verse one. To Thessalonians chapter three and verse one. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you. <clears> 2 <throat> Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 1 In the portion that we read in the first epistle we read of the apostle verse 25 of the fifth chapter asking them Brethren, pray for us. In both epistles he asks them so to do towards the end of his letter. In our text he gives those specific things that they are to pray that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you and that he we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men for all men have not faith. Now in asking them to pray, it is a blessed thing that is able to appeal to these Thessalonians the the word that was preached to them and those things that he's asking them to pray for and the effects of it, they'd already had that. So it is not that they are praying the Apostle to be blessed with something that they knew nothing of at all. At the end of our text it says even as it is with you. So in knowing what to pray for as the Apostle and as those with him when preaching the Gospel the Thessalonians he was saying I would that others have the blessings that you have and the effect of the word that you had that they might know it as well. Remember in the uh, very first of this epistle, the you know, first chapter uh, of the first epistle to the Thessalonians, the apostle says that our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance, as ye know what manner of men we were among you for your saints." And he goes on that they became followers of us and of the Lord. They received the word and they received it not as the word of man but as it is in truth, the word of God. I wonder how often that we seek to pray for the Lord's servants in that same way. If we have been blessed and favoured, if the Lord's servants have been held amongst us and we have received the word, that we think along these lines of what the Apostle is saying that we are to pray for those servants that as they go ministering and even amongst us that the effect is the same, that others have it as well. that they know the same power, they know the same fruit that follows the ministry of the Word. Because that is really what the Apostle is saying Is saying, here, even as it is with you. They don't have to look anywhere else but themselves. And he says, pray for us, that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you. And he adds again on this, that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for all men have not faith. And of course the apostles did suffer much from those that opposed the word and those that hated him and the word. And he puts it down that this is because they did not have faith. They were receiving that word as a natural word and so rose up against it. But it is not the second verse that is upon my spirit but the first verse and the first part of it this evening. And so I want to look firstly at the exhortation to pray. Finally, brethren, pray for us. And then secondly, the things that hinder so the Word does not have free cause. Because the prayer is to be that the Word of the Lord may have free cause. Well, what is it? that stops that word freely going forth and freely accomplishing what is expected and should. It must be something that hinders it. If it has free courses, an opposite where it is, it is hindered. And then thirdly, that which glorifies the word of the gospel because that is what the word of the Lord is. It is meant to be the gospel. The word of the Lord they uh, a free course, not just free course, but and be glorified. What is it when the word of the Lord is glorified? These are the two things that he's really asking and saying, well, these Thessalonians, they, they knew both of these things already. It's good when we have a mindfulness of what we are praying for. The first is the exhortation to pray. How we so need to be reminded again and again to go to prayer. Many times we can exhort one another, speak about it, preach of it, know that it's right, but putting it into practice is another thing. And we often should stop and really consider How much do we actually pray? How much time do we spend? How many times is our heart really with it? One great encouragement for prayer is when we do pray and we do see the answers. It's good in short-term things, small things, providential things, because sometimes we can see the answers for those very, very quickly. Many times over the years, in design work, in my employment, or even at home, where we have sought wisdom to know how to do something, that the answer to that has been realized in a few days, and then really confirmed later on that it really was help from the Lord. Many times in my design career, have I Realise that the successful design, that that was in answer to prayer. Because there are those things that we pray for, and especially what is set before us here, that we may not immediately see the answers. We may not be immediately able to to marry up our prayers and and, and then the answer, especially when we're praying for someone else, that may be not in our presence. We may not know exactly what's happening. They could pray for the Apostle Paul here and the Lord bless him and bless the people, but word do not get back to them that it has actually had that effect. But if we know the worth of prayer and we prove that God does hear and answer prayer, then that is a real encouragement to pray. And the Lord... Uh, exhorted in this word, again and again, continue in prayer uh, to that man ought always to pray and not to faint. And he spoke parables in that way the parable of the unjust judge and the widow, and how by her continual coming she may weary me, he says, so I will grant her what she wants. She wouldn't have otherwise. But the Lord said to you what the unjust judge saith, and shall not God avenge his own land which cry day and night unto Him, and He says He will hear them. Speedily, uh, there are many exhortations to pray. The Apostle Peter uh, also exhorts that it should be, and that men ought always to pray, and to be instant in prayer, uh, in, in season and out of season, and that whatsoever. That ye would desire the Lord were to ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find knock, and it shall be opened unto you. How many times the Lord will say, I would yet be inquired of by the house of Israel to do it for them. And so there's the exhortation to pray. But who is making this? The apostle says, pray for us. Who is the us? Is it just the apostle Paul? No, in the first verse of this epistle, we read Paul and Sylvanus and Timotheus unto the church of the Thessalonians. Three ministers. Beautiful thing, isn't it? Where you get three of the Lord's servants together, eye to eye, writing one united letter Two people, and as unitedly, they're asking, pray for us. Not just pray for me, Paul needs praying for, but not the other two, or the other two need, but not Paul because he's the apostle. No, all of them, every one of the Lord's servants needs that prayer for these things that are set before us here and the Apostle to mention this in, in both of his epistles to them. He felt it. He felt the need of it and the worth of it. But by whom? Who? Who is to do the praying? He says, you finally, brethren, pray for us. He doesn't say deacons or ministers But he says, brethren, in the uh, chapter that we read, there is a beseeching, you brethren, to know them which labour among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and be at peace amongst yourselves. And again, he's exhorting brethren there as well, These are not those that labour among them. They're the brethren of the Lord. They're the called ones, the chosen ones. Those that are the Lord's people, that have been manifest as the Lord's people. We're not to think just because we haven't got a position in the church of God as an office bearer, that then we have not got a position in the praying church of God. And I believe he includes here not only my brethren, certainly for public prayer, but those that have the women to pray in silence. And it's good to think how whatever member we are of a church, are we a praying member Does the Church of God benefit from our prayers? Sometimes it may be that our prayers just centre on ourselves or on our families. And they don't expand that to think of the Church of God. And so he's saying, brethren, there's another thing here. Does that rule any of us out? Are we brethren? Are we numbered amongst the people of God? Does the Lord acknowledge us as his brethren? You no, know, Joseph is a beautiful word, wasn't it? When that one found him wandering in the field, he says, I seek my brethren. What they did to him, but he called them brethren. And the Lord Jesus Christ, he came unto his own. His own received him not. They dealt with him. Just the same really as Joseph's brothers did. But dear Joseph, he was seeking his brethren. It is a blessed thing. If we have that mark, we know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. That's a mark of being amongst the brethren because we love the brethren. They gather us together. So what are they praying? Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you. The only way that we can really Watch in prayer and give thanks in prayer as if we have specific things that we pray for. Dear Hannah, she could come to Eli and say for this child I pray. And the Lord have given me my petition that I have asked of him. It is where we can really notice where the Lord has answered our prayers. And we can give thanks. How generalised are our prayers? Or are they for specific things that, as David says, my cup, it runs over. And can we look at our cup, the cup of salvation, and we say in that cup has been answers to prayer. Blessings in my soul. Good hearing times, deliverances, all make up this cup of salvation that the Lord has given. There's a blessed thing if there are those things that we specifically ask of the Lord for. And so this is the exhortation to pray. Very clear who it is addressed to, who is to be prayed for, and what is to be prayed for concerning them? Well, as what they are to pray for is that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified, I'm now to look at the next point on the things that hinder the word so that it does not have free course. And when we think of the things that hinder it, these are the things that, through prayer, that they are going to be moved out of the way, and that they won't hinder that word. The word will have free course. You know, when we were children, little children, we loved to play in the mud puddles, and we used to make water courses. So that where there was one puddle we could make a nice river running to the next puddle and the water would just run freely from one to the other. But then if there were things in the way then it, would, it wouldn't run freely at all. It would either go sidetracked or it would go over the stones that were in the way. So we'd just move those things out of the way to get a nice clear water course through. And this is the idea that is here the word just freely runs without any obstacles, without anything in the way and it achieves it its purpose. It gets to its end. My word shall not return unto me void, it shall accomplish the thing whereto I sent it. And this then is to be prayed for and sought for. The first thing that I would say is, that it is a hindrance is where there are unprepared hearers. We would think of the role of John the Baptist. John the Baptist was sent before our Lord to prepare the way of the Lord. When he preached, the people were in expectation. And what a blessing it would be when we come into the house of God under the preached word that we are in expectation the blessing. That certainly was what was. John Baptist was used to point out the Lord and to prepare the way. We think then of the parable that the Lord spoke of the sower. And what is so emphasized there is the ground that the seed fell upon. The one that was the wayside hearer, the birds came and they just picked up the word, it went straight away, the Lord said that was like Satan, just taking the word out of the heart immediately, because it it was not understood, it didn't understand it. Then there was those that were on stony ground because they were not much root, they sprang up very quickly, but then When the sun rose it scorched and it soon withered away like those that when there came persecution because of the word then by and by they were offended and they went back. And the others were in ground of was thorns and thorns sprang up and they choked the word and it became unfruitful. All of these things were, and our Lord interpreted that as the world and the things of it just choked the word that it did not bring forth fruit. But that which did bring forth fruit was on prepared ground. And it is so vital that we be prepared to receive the word. When the Lord would turn the children of Israel back from their idolatry and bow worship he gave them three and a half years of famine. That was to prepare them, to make them ready to put Baal on trial, to have those those two altars made. And the Lord uses things like this when we are settled on our lease, when we are careless, we are worldly. He uses things to unsettle us, to put a thorn in the nest, to make us ready to receive the word, ready to hear the word. But not only is the Lord's work to do that for his people and he will do that in his people's lives. But those especially of brethren, they are exhorted in this to seek that we might prepare our hearts to receive the word. Instead of, as it were, just rushing in from the world, from whatever we've been doing, no prayer, no concern, no thoughts, no preparation. You sit down and we're going to hear the Word. And there's been no prior thought throughout the day at all, or meditation. No prior thought and thinking, well, the poor minister uh, maybe hasn't got a text and he's, he's looking and looking for a text and he, the poor minister's thinking, is anyone else praying for me? Is anyone praying that I might have a text? That I might you know, to bring them the word. Is there anyone that's doing that? Is anyone preparing for a service like me? Although they're not going to preach it, they're going to hear it. Am I the only one trying to prepare? And you can answer that. Has there been any preparation before our gathering this evening? Or do we just gather and just, without a thought as to what we're going to hear? You know, if we are having a, a meal for our home, do we not prepare at all? Do we just come to the table and just, well, expect there will always, always be something there? If we haven't an appetite, then we're not going to appreciate what is there. If we come straight out of the garden and our hands are all filthy, we're not really going to be over sitting down eating our dinner with our hands. And in some ways, that it might be small, it's a, it's a bit of a preparation, isn't it? Uh, thought beforehand, before you actually sit down. And where there is not that, there is a hindrance to the Word. The Word does not have free course. There's not been that preparation that has been beforehand. That's the thing when the Lord during the day, and we think, we hope to gather in the Lord's house tonight. And for a few moments, is that prayer and heart lifting up to the Lord that You come, You bless the word, we refresh our souls. The preparations of the heart in man, and the answer of the tongue, is from the Lord. Nice to have those promptings that we're not forgetful of those appointed times. You know, sometimes people will say, "Well, we we pray for the Lord's day, we pray for Lord's servants," but you know the manner times. I've been on the phone to someone they've had mainly supply ministry, and I've said to them, Who's your minister on Lord's Day? Oh, I don't know. Oh, let me go and get, get the list and have a look. Haven't you been praying for him? You don't even know who's going to come on the Lord's Day. And that often happens. But a pastor, maybe you, you do know each time. Who's going to be there? Preparation. The second thing that will hinder it and stop the word having free course is distraction, distracted thoughts and cares. Martha. Our Lord was in the house. Mary could sit at his feet and hear his word, but Martha was cumbered about with much serving. That will stop the word. Having free course. Another thing that was stopping is where that word is not understood, and this comes down to the minister mostly. Paul said, "I would rather speak five words with the understanding than ten thousand words in an unknown tongue." And he said, "If the trumpet does not give a certain sound, how will they?" that hear it, prepare for the battle. And he said, even with those things that haven't got a life-giving sound, with the organ, if there's only one note on the organ, you couldn't make it by tune. You need the distinction of sounds. And the Apostle, he applies that with preaching. That will be a, a hindrance if the people are not understanding and not grasping what is said. If it is going right over their heads, if it is not applicable to them, then that will not profit them. And so the Apostle, he spoke that great need of having the understanding. We mentioned about the, the sower as well, and that parable The great difference between the first and the fourth era that is mentioned in the scriptures, the first did not understand the word, the last that bear fruit did. And that is a vital thing. When the Lord appeared after he rose from the dead, then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. So may that be also part of our prayer and preparation that we understand the word. Remember when Philip came to the unit, what was his first question? Understandest thou what thou readest? How can I accept some man guide me? And the Lord gave to Philip his text and that's what he preached from beginning at the same scripture Preached unto him Jesus. Another way the word will not have free course is that which Paul set before the Corinthians in his first epistle to them. And he says in the first chapter, he said, we preach Christ crucifying, verse 23, unto the Jews a stumbling block, and unto... The Greeks' foolishness. And so there's the Jews, they, they stumbled at This is Jesus of Nazareth, the carpenter's son. And they stumbled at that. And the Greeks, well, what foolishness this is this? We're an intellectual people. What? Just get a carpenter's son or this man, and he save us from our sins. And they ridicule the gospel. The apostle says But unto them which are called Both Jews and Greeks Christ the power of God And the wisdom of God Because the foolishness of God Is wiser than men And the weakness of God Is stronger than men Beware when Satan comes in You've come in And you will suggest this And you've put some stumbling block That you can't hear the word or you put something and you say well, that's, that's foolish, that's silly. And you think that's going into just the way that Paul sets before us here. When we think of those in John 6, our Lord was teaching and they were offended. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? He couldn't understand it. They went back, they walked no more with him. Peter, he says of Paul's writings, in the which are some things hard to be understood, which they which are unlearned and unstable rest or twist as they also do the other scriptures to their own destruction. Those things that stop the word from having free course. Pride. One of our hymns says, Nor are men willing to have the truth told. The sight is too killing for pride to behold. When the Lord reproved the scribes, the Pharisees, the lawyers said, In so saying, thou speakest against us. And as soon as they discerned that actually he was speaking against them, they rose up against him. Lord, deliver us from being that kind of a hearer. That as soon as we think we're ministers, having a go, he—he he, he's touching my life or my failure. Well, oh, shutters go down. The hindrance is there. The word doesn't have free course. It's determined not to hear it. And the apostle and the Lord had many that were like that. They could not receive the word. unbelief you might say well is not the gospel to do away with unbelief to make believers yes it is but remember our Lord said that he could not do any great work in a place because of their unbelief they never nurture unbelief never think it is something that is not what it is it's a hindrance it stops up the word, causes the word not to be received. And what then about sin? You say, well, isn't the gospel to deliver us from our sins and from our iniquities? Yes, it is. But when we are hardened in sin, when we determine to continue in it, then that stops, it grieves the Holy Spirit and it stops and holds back the blessings of the Lord. The path set before us in John, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all iniquity. It's told, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. What is meant there? If I regard it and think, "Well, I don't want to be parted from that sin. I, I want to. I love that sin, I, and it's subconscious sin. I'm going to keep going with that. When I pray, I'm not going to specifically pray against that sin because I want it still. So I leave that out my prayers. And when I listen to the word preached, I'm not going to hear. Anything that's spoken against my cherished sin because I still want to continue in it so I'm going to stop my ears for that. And the Word doesn't have free course, And it's because we're in love with sin and not willing to part with it, not willing to have it dealt with. And I know if we're honest, we do love our sins. And sometimes it's a real wrestle and real struggle to pray against them. And to seek to hear that which shall deal with those sins. We don't don't like it, not willing for it. But maybe be mindful of how much that does. Stop up the way and grieve the spirit. Well, let's turn just a few of these points round the other way. What if the Lord has brought us into the house? prepared, hungry, desiring for the Word. And we've been able to lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us and we've come desiring to hear the Word and we understand what is set before us and we don't have those prejudices of being offended at the Word or think it's a foolish word. And the Lord's humbled us low. Maybe things have happened in our lives and it's laid us real low in the dust. And we really do believe the Gospel and believe the Word of God, that it is the Word of God. And there are those sins that cleave to us, but we hate those sins. We've come Even like the woman with the issue of blood desiring to touch the hem of his garment. You know, if we come like that, is not this prayer answered in that respect? That the word of the Lord may have free course, that those things that would stop it have been removed, they are not there. And the word can go straight through and be received into our heart. Of what follows here? The prayer to be delivered from wicked and unreasonable men, for all men have not faith. If the word is to the profit, then we must have faith. The word did not profit them in that they did that received it, did not have faith. It was not mixed with faith in them that heard it. But faith is the gift of God. We are to pray for that, but that is given at the new birth. And the Lord's dear people do have faith. I want then to look at the last point which is that which glorifies the word of the gospel. We mentioned with the Thessalonians here that Paul identified in his first letter that the word had come to them not in word only, but in demonstration of spirit and of power. That glorifies the word of the gospel. (coughs) Remember the apostles had a tarry at Jerusalem until they were endued with power from on high. When the Holy Spirit was given, that word was in power. It had a real powerful effect, a real authority from heaven. That glorified that word. It was not just the word of man. It was the word of God. The Spirit was with the Lord's servant. The conversion of sinners glorifies the gospel. In their early church, under those first sermons, 3,000 were blessed, were converted. And it's put this way, they were added unto the church of God. They were always really in the church, that number chosen in Christ from the foundation of the world, but they were added openly known and read and seen of all men, that they had been brought from darkness to light, brought into that visible church of Christ. And that glorified the word. Do you think of what it must have been to see so many that were turned from idols to serve the living and true God? What it must have been to have had those that had no knowledge before of the things of God speaking the wonderful works of God. When they heard that at Antioch in Syria they had received the word, then they sent Barnabas to see that church. And we read that when Barnabas saw the grace of God, he was glad. What did Barnabas see? He saw changed characters. He saw those that were no longer following idols, but the true and living God. He saw lives changed, and that glorified the word of the Lord. Another way that that word is glorified, when it does profit the people, You might not say well I've been really blessed today but if you can say that I've profited unto the word. Might be one pence might be thirtyfold fruit might be sixty but it's a blessed thing to gain and to profit from the word. (coughs) That glorifies the word. a gracious walk what shall it be if the gospel is much spoken of as how wonderful it is that it is the message of salvation through our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ that he has suffered at Calvary that he has shed his precious blood there and redeemed his people and loosed them and set them free And delivered them from their sins, given them that hope of heaven and a righteousness that they may stand faultless before the throne. But as the people testify of that which they have and that hope in the Lord Jesus Christ, others look at their lives and they don't see a gracious walk. They don't see the evidence of that in their lives. Is only a spiritual experience, a spiritual talk. But it hasn't changed how they behave one towards another. In fact, sometimes it may be the opposite. Stand by thyself, for I am holier than now. Or like with the priest and the Levite, they come to the uh, wounded one and pass him by on the other side. And the Samaritan comes where he is. So what glorifies the word of the Lord is that effect in our lives. The people, it was said they took knowledge of them, that they had been with Jesus. With Daniel, those around him had to say, we shall find no fault in this man except concerning his God and the law of his God. And that is a good witness. That is a good thing. And it glorifies the word of the Lord when it has that effect. That it may be said, the Lord hath done great things for them. And we not only have to say, the Lord hath done great things for us, but others say it as well. That that word has been effectual. It will glorify the Lord when that word is used to deliver. Deliver a people from snares. Deliver a people from providential trials. Deliver them from Satan's hand. That's one of the great works of our Lord. Born thy people to deliver. To save them from their sins. To deliver them from all evil. A people that were ensnared in holes and pits and dens. And the Lord comes and delivers them. Command deliverances unto Jacob. A people that had no helper, no deliverer. And then the Lord came and he delivered his people. Jonah says from the whale's belly, salvation is of the Lord. But then there is a comforting of the people of God, binding up the wounds of sin, going after that which is lost, the sheep that's in the ditch, that that has run away, And when the word does that, then it is glorified. The Lord is glorified when his poor people are found and there's the pouring in the oil and wine of the gospel. What the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son. What a blessed difference there is between the law and the gospel. The law brings us in as sinners, but the gospel points to the finished work of our Lord and that deliverance from sin. Mercy through blood I make my plea, God be merciful to me. When the people are fed, Peter was said, feed my sheep, feed my lambs. That glorifies the word of the Lord. When the Lord Jesus Christ is glorified, that glorifies the Gospel and the Word of the Lord. So, with our answers to prayer, have we had those things that we can say, this prayer has been made and answered. There have been those that have been converted. The Word has profited me from time to time and I trust it has been that which has changed my walk and outlook. And it has delivered from snares. And I've seen others delivered also from their snares. And the people of God comforted. And in these things the word of the Lord is lifted up. And we prize it. We bless the Lord for it. And he glorifies the Lord. So these are the things to pray for, to watch over. And the Lord have all the glory and all the honour of what the Word does. The Word of the Gospel, my Word, that shall not return unto me void. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the Word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified, even as it is with you. The more that is blessing.